The Career Establishment's Talent Talk Asia podcast is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Founded by Asia-based recruiters back in 2012, over a thousand recruitment companies choose Vincere to accelerate their growth. Whether your business is contract, temp, executive search or perm, if you're looking for a new breed of tech partner, talk to Vincere. Visit vincere.com io forward slash talent talk asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast hi i'm andrea ross your host and in this series we feature some of the most successful talents from across the region to discuss the forces opportunities and challenges that are shaping the corporate landscape if you're keen to be a guest on the show then please reach out Michael Nett is an accomplished and international technology recruiter that has worked in Melbourne, Japan and Singapore. In 2019, he was promoted to Managing Director of Ambition Singapore. Michael talks to me today about the fast-paced and innovative tech industry and what a tech recruiter needs to do to stand out from the crowd. Hi, Michael. Hi, Andrea. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? I'm really good. Thank you so much for asking me to to join your podcast. You're very I'm, welcome. I'm really honored to, you to be here. You are most welcome. And that you thought of me for this. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much. Now, we've we've had, I've received quite a bit of interest from listeners across Asia. As far as Japan, we've had people that have messaged from Korea and China about this podcast and specifically on the tech side. So mm-hmm. um, for those that aren't so familiar with you um, because they're outside of Singapore, can you just sort of share with me a little bit more about your background? Uh, sure. So I'm from the U.S. originally. Where from the U.S.? I'm from Michigan. Are you? I didn't yeah. know you were from Michigan. Yeah, near, I've got near Detroit, from Michigan. A suburb oh, really? of Detroit, yeah. Oh. And I finished my, my uni in about 2002. Okay. And I hadn't, I hadn't traveled at all. So, I mean, I, I worked at an insurance company for about a year. Okay. Um, after I graduated and then I decided to go traveling. So I quit my job and went traveling and I met my now uh, wife. Did on, you? Uh, I feel like I've told you this story no, before, No, I though, actually don't know that at all. Because you interviewed me a long time ago. <laughs> you, interviewed, I, you interviewed me about, uh, I guess it was about eight years ago. And I think I told you this story before, but I'll tell you again. Do, do you know how many people that I probably interviewed? <laughs> probably a Robert lot. Walters? Yeah, probably. Not that you're not memorable in any way, but I don't remember that particular <laughs> so piece I'll, of information. So I'll tell you the story anyway. So I uh, went traveling, met my now wife. Oh, uh, right. She's Australian. I went to Australia, did a working holiday visa ah. in uh, in Melbourne, and then after that, um, my my visa finished up in Australia. Okay, it's a, it's a one year working holiday right. visa, right. and then I went to Japan with my um my, my girlfriend at the time. Okay, and lived and worked there for a couple of years. But you hadn't done re- you weren't doing recruitment in Melbourne, or you doing no. something? No, I was okay. uh, I was a backpacker. I was doing right uh, different different jobs. So okay. as you do as a backpacker, so I worked right. in a I worked in a bar. I worked in a construction okay. site. I worked. Yeah. I worked for the company. It's called T Two. They do the maybe you know yeah, them. Yeah, the, the tea retail. Yeah. No, no, no uh, T Two. They're like the tea retail company. Okay. And they're in some of the shopping malls here. They're in a, right. it's an Australian company. Okay. So I worked for them in their in their warehouse as you do as a backpacker. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I did the kind of working holiday thing for a year and then I went to, um, to Japan for, for two years. So why and Japan? Because, uh, my, um, 
I studied Japanese in high school, so I was interested in the the culture and. I so didn't know yeah. that. I, feel. <laughs> I, I wasn't very good, so I didn't get to a very high level in terms of my language ability, but I was interested in living there and wow. trying it out. And my, my wife and I could both get visas for that country. Right. So, okay. we, um, so I went there initially as an English teacher. So I taught English oh, there for okay. a couple of months and I didn't really, I didn't really enjoy it. So uh, I decided to, um, I've got, I wanted a more professional type of mm-hmm. job. So I got mm-hmm. a job at this company called First Advantage who does uh, the, they do the pre-employment screening yeah. for most of the banks in, yeah. in Japan. So yeah. I was a, effectively just taking reference checks right. and okay. reviewing uh, reports, like editing English for the most part yeah. that were created by the Japanese researchers. So it's not the most exciting job, but it was <laughs> kind of a, for me, it was a little bit of a gateway into yeah. this industry that I'm in now Absolutely. because I had friends that worked in the recruitment industry. Right. And in Japan, in Tokyo, if you're a foreigner, mm-hmm. usually the two most common career paths are you're either an English teacher or a recruiter. Yeah, so I had a lot of friends true. that were that's recruiters. So yeah. And then we left Japan after two years to, um, yeah, I think just get back to um, like a, like an English speaking mm-hmm. environment because mm-hmm. it's tough to live there unless you're yep. really um, like you're you're able to communicate well in, in Japanese and my wife and I just weren't at that level. And, and right. I think it's, it, so it was good for two years, but then we decided to go back to Australia. And that's when I started my career in recruitment uh, back in 2007. Okay. And was that in technology or were you doing something else before? Yeah. I uh, I was hired by um, a guy called uh, Richard Keen mm-hmm. and Simon Lynch was my director at the time. Okay. He's off. So that was at Michael Page. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I joined them in 2007 and right. they had a need I mean, that's the nature of our industry is usually they'll mm. meet someone and like, oh, okay, so you're in this team now. Even <laughs> yeah. though I had no background in, in yeah. tech, uh, you can just learn it along the way. So they, uh-huh. they hired me. And yeah, so I'm really grateful for that opportunity that I had with with Michael Page's really So you started as a consultant really good start. then, did you? I started as a, yeah, like a research, like a researcher, okay. a resourcer, and then, and then a consultant. Okay. After, um, I think after three months or four months, they promoted me and then- I did that for about four years in in Australia. So I was doing a um, a technology contracting, primarily within financial services. So mostly working with um, ANZ and National Australia Bank, UBS, and Goldman as a mostly their their temp. Right. Uh, uh, tech roles, so, so doing the the temp desk for that. So how did you learn how to do tech if you hadn't sort of had never done it before? What was I mean? I, I, I want to know that because obviously some people kind of entering into tech yeah. recruitment. I'm sure they'd really be well, they'd really like to hear how you learn. To, yeah, um, I think get you just learn, right? You just you just learn a lot. You learn along tech the way. Don't really go right? hand in hand. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's all a bit sort of gobbledygook to me. Yeah, so, yeah, but I, I think you just learn along you? the way, and they just throw you in the deep end and. Right. You just pick up the phone and get on with it, listen to people on the phone, and then just start calling people and figuring out what they do yeah. and figuring out the landscape. And Okay. Um, I was, I think the first six months, I mean, it's really, uh, it's really daunting because there's such a steep learning curve. You're learning how to do mm. recruitment itself mm. and how to, you know, run the, the, the contracting desk, but then also you're mm. learning a, a totally new subject matter. Yeah. And building your network. So yeah, I mean, it's really tough. I wanted I wanted to leave after six months. Did I, you? I was actually interviewing. Did I interviewed you? for other jobs, but I didn't get any other jobs. So I was like, okay, I guess I just have to. <laughs> you do just this. have to stay four <laughs> years later. You're still yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so it was good. But in the end, I, I think it's been a good. It's been um, really enjoyable, and it's got me to where I am today with, in a job that I really love. So no, it's been it's been a, a great ride. 
so after four years in in Australia, yeah. I asked for a transfer to Singapore. Yeah, because I had a friend who had, was living here, and okay. I visited him uh, um, when I was living in, in Australia. And so I I asked for the transfer up, and my wife was my wife and I were both interested in living somewhere else mm-hmm. and getting you know new exposure. Yeah, Australia is a great place, and Melbourne's an awesome city. Yeah, it's I love um yeah, but I think we were just looking for something like new and challenging mm-hmm. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Singapore seemed like an interesting place to go to. And so, so I, was that a transfer or did you? Yeah, so I got transferred. Okay. Yeah, so I met you. And then you did I met, meet me. I met you and then. Stop I, saying that I don't remember <laughs> you embarrassing me. I met you and then uh, and then I got, tra- and I ended up just taking the transfer to Singapore with Michael Page and I worked for them for about three and a half years. Wow. Here and I, it was great because, um, I mean, it's challenging moving to a new market. That's very, that's probably for me, that's the most difficult thing you can do is to change industries or change locations Mm. and you're building your network again. Yeah. So it's a really tough thing to do. What was different for Um, you? I think the the challenges were that when I came up here, it was effectively a really new team. So we weren't known for tech recruitment in Singapore with Michael Page. So it was about really finding new clients to work with and, and, you know, developing the desk and everything. Was for, it contract for them. or permanent? Um, it was, it was a mixture of both. Right. Okay. okay. And, um, so that was one of the main challenges, finding new clients for, for them to work with and yeah. capitalizing yeah. On, on that. And then also in just in terms of how you do recruitment here, it's a bit different from Australia because usually Australians aren't, they're not even going for job interviews unless they're pretty interested in the role right. and they're pretty interested to change jobs right. but i think here people are sometimes shopping around a little bit more yeah. for opportunities yeah. and so the candidate management part is a lot more important here yeah it is absolutely and even, it um, is like trial closing or pre-closing a candidate yeah i don't think i even really did that in australia yeah. i did that for four years and i had a lot of success there yeah i was doing a temp desk they interview they interview on friday they start on monday they're not working now they take yeah. the job you kind of get it all done with like quite quickly, but I think here it's a lot more hand holding the candidate through yeah. the process. Um, so did you have a lot to learn a bit of patience? <laughs> What's that? Did you have to learn a bit of patience then that it wasn't going to? Yeah, yeah, I think, so yeah, quickly. it's patience for sure, mm. and also, um, and then just yeah, building the network and connecting with you know, um, you know, people like it's it's obviously a lot more multicultural yeah. in terms of like the backgrounds of people that we're working with here in terms yeah. of clients and and candidates. So no, it's been challenging but very interesting and. Then I joined Ambition about five years ago. And why was that? Why did you move from from um, Michael Page to Ambition? Uh, I joined Ambition and I left Page just because I was getting married at the time. And then I had to start thinking about, I think from a financial perspective, I don't think Michael Page is necessarily known for paying your best um, you know, commission and bonuses and yeah. things like that. It's a different and that, scheme, isn't it? Yeah, it's a to, discretionary yeah, model. Yeah. So, like and Walters, the, yeah. yeah, and I think the oper- they, they're paying a percentage of the operating profit. So it's a matter of, it's just, does it's not as interesting, I think, financially than, than a lot of other firms here. So huh. I think money was probably the initial reason why okay. I started to look out. Okay. And then and it's, not what, it's not what's kept me here. It's, but it's, um, it's something that initially attracted me to leave yeah, Michael Page sure. to begin with. But for what I joined Ambition is really the people and, and just me having a a really high level of comfort with the people I met throughout my interview process, meeting with um, people like, like I met Nick Waterworth, who's our yeah. CEO and founder. I met him in my 
second interview. So that yeah. was really good. And he's always so memorable, he's, right? When you meet yeah, Nick. Yeah, he's really good. Guy. So yeah. my second interview was a beer at the, <laughs> at the Fullerton Hotel or something. So it's <laughs> a so pretty cool, pretty cool guy. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, I'm meeting with Paul and having, yeah, just having a good conversation with him. So it's, it's really about, I think it's the biggest thing is the people, right? Because I think no matter where you do recruitment, it's the role itself for the most part, it is the same, yeah. but it's it's really about the environment that you're working yeah. in, the people that you work with, and yeah, you've got a definitely. good good team, good team of people around you. So it was really yeah. the people that the I bought into through, most. So so you joined um, five, five years ago, is that what you, yeah yeah five years ago? So mm -hmm. run me through to where you are now, as as recently mm -hmm. promoted to MD of the Singapore office. Sure. Whoop, whoop. congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I joined as their uh, AD for uh, their their tech team. Okay, and um, that role was about. Uh, rebuilding the, the the technology team here at Ambition, and um, okay, it's a really good good opportunity because I had um, I'd been in Singapore for a few years already, so I had a had a good network, and yeah. then coming to Ambition, they've got a good brand, and and they had some really good people running this this business mm -hmm. before I joined, so it was great to come in and and pick up a lot of old relationships that they had, and mm. it was a really good platform, mm. and uh, so it was awesome opportunity. And the great thing about working here is that we really give people autonomy to 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 run the business the way that we want to run our own businesses and giving people flexibility and freedom about who we want to hire and mm. and you know making sure they're trained the way you think they should be trained mm -hmm. for your particular area. Mm -hmm. So it's really just given that that freedom and autonomy has has been really good. So I've been able to hire the people I want to hire and, and get the team up to yeah. where it is today. So it's a and I think it's a market leading team right now. So it's been really good. And then a couple of years later, um, Paul gave me the opportunity to pick up our sales and marketing team. And then, um, and then a little while back, uh, our banking and contracting team. So, so slowly been, taking yeah, over slowly, all the other yeah. businesses. So I yeah. mean, it's been, um, I'm super grateful for everything, yeah. like all the opportunities I've had here and, and for, for Paul and Nick to trust me to take yeah. on more and more. Yeah. So I'm really lucky. And how are you adjusting to going from a billing consultant to now MD? How's that yeah. adjustment been? Yeah, it's pretty pretty tough. I mean, it's been probably, it's even, I think each year I've just been a little bit less focused on making like the personal revenue. Yeah. It's just, it's not been, an, it's it's gone from being quite a lot from when I first joined the first yeah. couple of years to now it's not much at all. Um, so it's just taken it's taken time and it's also about mm. building up the team and getting the right people in the right roles mm. that you can really delegate a lot more mm. but do you feel so, you've got high expectations because you've done it <laughs> you, you know you've yeah, come from a high billing consultant yeah, so yeah, sometimes yeah. Do you feel that you have to kind of hold back hold back count to yeah. 10 um, no but i think now but but really the people that the people that work here now and we've got such great people yeah. in our team here yeah. as you know that they're better than me that's for sure i'm i'm they're so gonna love hearing I that mean, when they listen to this podcast. I, They're like, for I think for people in our recruitment leadership or probably any type of leadership, mm. it's about hiring great people and and um, making sure we're just getting the best people we can find and yeah. and people that you can trust to 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 deliver yeah. and to take yeah. things over that you can delegate things to and yeah and they're doing an awesome uh, like everyone in, in the team's doing an awesome job and. Um, yeah. So, I, yeah. Yeah. So I'm keen to move to move on to the topic of tech, which I sure. know is very 
passionate topic mm-hmm. of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the tech industry has really exploded. So what sort of pressures does this put on recruitment firms when it comes to hiring good tech recruiters? Mm. Um, has it put on recruitment companies? Or yeah, has it because put everyone's, on, look, right. cause everyone's looking for them. Right? It's, yeah. you, know, there's, yeah. um, you know, when you look at when you speak to a number of recruitment firms, it's all, you yeah. know, do you know anyone that you can refer to me, any right. good tech recruiters? You know, everyone's looking for some yeah. good talent um, within the tech space. Yeah. So what kind of pressures has that put on, you know, a, a recruitment business in terms of trying to, you know, hire people and develop them and retain them? Um, I think for us, it's hard for me to comment because we've been lucky that we've got great people. We've got a great team there in place and it's been really stable and we've had most of the people that we've hired like when I first joined, they've—I mean—they're still here and they've developed. They've de- grown into management roles themselves, and they're now they're hiring great, great people. So, what's so we've the got secret? some succe- great some su- succession mm. um, planning going on in our in our team here. So, um, so what's the secret? Because everyone out there is going to want to know the secret. Not, I think it's one. really just not compromising. On, like it's not compromising on the people that we're we're hiring and making sure we're getting you know, the best the best people we can find and. I think for everyone, it's different. It means different things because mm-hmm. I think there's people that maybe won't pass the interview at Robert Walters or, or something. But mm-hmm. then they, for for us, it's it's probably just maybe they maybe we would hire them and they're a great fit and they do really well. So I think it also depends yeah. on the culture yeah. of the organization true. that they're going into and what they're yeah. looking for. So yeah, I don't know. It's it takes a while to get up to speed to get the the consultant up to speed if they haven't you know done anything with tech before. But it's not rocket science and people can people can figure it out. And I think the more I mean, tech right now, I think most of the businesses that are doing tech recruitment, they need to specialize. It's hard to bring someone in who doesn't know much about technology and have them do, oh, you're gonna do every role. So right. it's really important right. that you specialize. Right. Okay. Um so like a generalist. Yeah. Okay. So it it's like one person will just do cloud and DevOps, one person will just do software engineers, one person will just do project managers, one person right. will just do cybersecurity. So I think you've right. really got to have that it's a lot full deeper. Yeah, you've got to have that like kind of full suite and capability. Yeah. Um otherwise you the, the business might struggle. So I'd say that's that's pretty pretty important. Have you taken people that have come from non-tech backgrounds and trained them non-tech recruitment background yeah yeah Yeah, i mean quite a few like we've i think most of the people we've hired in the team didn't do recruitment before so they're more like from scratch they're more um were they they tech before though were they technology backgrounds in terms of maybe um, degrees or something like that one person i'd say our team is probably a mixture like probably one third of them had a little bit of recruitment experience but the rest i mean they, they, they didn't have any recruitment experience maybe they were a grad or maybe they had a little bit of work experience before, but nothing really recruitment, nothing really technology. Wow. So it's more, it's, it's probably more that, about actually. hiring for the, my, my, I would say the best, like for, I don't know if I want to give advice because I don't know if I'm <laughs> in a position to give advice to people. You're on my but podcast. But I, I can only advice. say Go that on. what's worked, I think for what's you. worked for us mm. is that we want to hire not because someone has like a year of recruitment on their mm-hmm. resume, mm-hmm. because yeah, it's more about hiring for their, um, like for their um, competencies. Okay. So we probably more look for competencies than we do necessarily care that they have a year of recruitment okay. or six months of recruitment. Okay. Because okay. our job's not super complicated. I don't mm. think it's overly complex. I yep. think it's, I think you need to have a very high level of drive and you need to be, need to be like reasonably intelligent to, you know, navigate your way th- 
to manage a client relationship or mm-hmm. to, to BD into a new a new client or yeah. or understand what a candidate does. So you need to have a like a decent level of IQ and EQ. Yeah. But then it's that drive that is, I think, very important. And also, as you know, it's just like we need someone who's not afraid to pick up the phone and speak yeah. to someone new. I think it's like in any sales role, you need yeah. to be comfortable enough mm. picking up the phone enough to someone mm. you've never, never spoken to before. Mm. And and yeah, so okay. I think that's pretty important in our job. So if there was, so if there was um, someone out there with the drive and was looking to get into a sort of a, a, a sales client facing type yeah. of role, um, then... Then it then they could potentially look at being a tech recruiter. Yeah. Okay. I think so. Okay. But I think certain firms probably aren't. Com- I would say a lot of firms are not comfortable. Mm. They they want to just get somebody that already knows. So it's the got, space. If, they, if they've yeah. got the spend to or the time to be able, or the resources to be able to train yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Within an organization. Then again, I mean, we've hired a few people, but it's just I think, and I think the reason is that it's so hard to find a great recruiter that's has a good track record and. Yeah. It's tough it's tough to like rely on those you yeah. know being able to hire yeah. those people. So I think as a business it's important that we can hire people and grow organically. I think yeah. that's really important to like an ongoing like having a good culture and a consistent culture in an organization. Now, what, what's something I'm really keen to know, and I know that I've had a few sort of messages from um, some of the some more junior recruiters um, in Asia asking this question, that mm. one of the challenges they always face when they're doing a cold call to a client, especially mm-hmm. HR, and, if, and they're in the tech space, yeah. and there's a lot of people calling HR at the moment mm. um, in terms of, you know, introducing themselves. Yeah. And the, and the one obstacle that they face a lot is this kind of silent killer where there's just no sound no response from the other end of the phone you know they've introduced themselves oh right and there's that kind of silent killer where you kind of is anyone is anyone there hello (laughs) did you hear me um what kind of advice would you give to the listeners out there on how to handle that kind of well an obstacle the the silent obstacle you know how would you handle that if you're a tech recruiter i think if you're um i think if you're expecting that just a random call to a random hr person is is going to be successful, then I think you need to try something new. Yeah. You need to try, try, need to try something different. Yeah. What works if we're for all you guys? Doing, I think, um, I don't want to give away all our secrets. Come but, on, Michael, <laughs> come on. Uh, but I think um, you need to be, a, you, like, you need to really understand your product mm. and you really need to understand what the candidates are doing mm-hmm. and and where, and and which organizations you should be marketing them to and yeah. who specifically you should be speaking with. Yeah. And it's just about building that credibility mm-hmm. and that trust. And it takes yeah. time. Yeah. Because I, I think for a lot of great, like I think for some of our best performers here, they don't, they didn't necessarily make a placement until maybe six months in because they really mm. were getting to understand what mm. their product is and how's the best way to approach. But I would say the traditional recruitment of, you know, just picking up the phone, do HR person introducing yourself. Mm. I would say, painful. This is tough. This is a tough one. I think we don't do. To be frank, we don't really do a lot of that. Okay. I mean, we, we just in more it, warm calls then. Yeah, different it, ways of going. Yeah, in more as warm calls or fiftieth um, call that week kind of thing. There's so many. Um, yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can do it, but it's about you know relationship building and and um, t- just taking a different angle and and. Um, if you're working with a really great candidate and making sure that mm. you're, um, you know, proactively working mm. with them and, and, you know, speaking to your, your, your clients about them and making sure that um, we're, 
you know, working proactively, if you, because I think the challenging bit isn't really, like, I don't think it's about getting the jobs on necessarily or getting the, because you certainly I have think, the jobs, I don't think you, the, right the, now? the needs are there. It's yeah. more about identifying a great, great candidate and getting them to work right. with you and, and making sure that both the candidate and the client have really great experience working with you. Talent Talk Asia is brought to you in partnership with Vincere, the all-in-one CRM for ambitious recruitment businesses. Visit vincere.io forward slash Talent Talk Asia for an exclusive offer for all listeners of this podcast. And what would you say is a great candidate experience for ambition going out to speak to candidates and, you know, if everyone's all fighting over good candidates right now? What yeah. is it that you think that's that makes you stand out? I think it's just the yeah, I think it's the normal stuff. It's really um, making sure that you know you know you know a lot about the organization that they're going in very well prepared for the mm. interview. They're knowing what you know. They're knowing what type of coding tests they'll is like. Is this going to be a technical round? Is it going to be you know just a te- round talking about the team fit? Right. Is it um, an HR round? So it's, I think really knowing. Um, the process mm. that the client wants to follow. So being able to share a lot of information with the candidate so they're very well prepared. Mm. Um, and spe- I mean, it's so easy to be transactional. Yeah. And even now, it's so easy to be transactional and not even meet a candidate because they're on the other side of town and you don't have time to go meet them. So I think it's about having that personal touch and making sure that we're, we're building a, a relationship with, with the candidate yeah. so then they have a good experience working with us. I'm really curious to know what are clients doing in the region to tackle diversity in tech? You know, mm-hmm. can you share maybe some interesting stories of what maybe some of your clients are doing at the moment? Yeah, I think it's not massively different than what, say, when you were when you were doing recruitment here. I would say it's not massively different. Uh, I mean, things that we hear about are um, certain organizations will have a criteria that you're providing. For example, one, I mean, tech is a male dominated industry yeah, for the most yeah. part, especially mm-hmm. if you're talking about engineering roles. So mm-hmm. a lot of it is making sure a lot of organizations will ask us to include at least one female in every shortlist. Oh, really? So that's okay. pretty common. That's good. Especially in, in banks. Okay. Um, a lot of the banks will have a specific initiative around um, back to work candidates. So candidates that have been out of the workforce for, you know, maybe 18 months or so. Usually right. it's a, it's a, it's a female um, who's been been spending time um, like raising children yeah. or being being at home. So um, there's a, usually a lot of the financial services companies have an ongoing requirement for the back yeah, to work type candidates. Was this something you guys do though, right? You focus. Yeah, on back and to we work have programs. a different. Uh, Tracy in our Hong Kong office mm. runs a a back to work program mm-hmm. where she will invite um, some back to work candidates to our office, and she'll go through some uh, a, a, like a training program for a week, and then. It worked pretty well. We did it last year where we were able to have a networking session with our clients and introducing right. the back-to-work candidates to right. our clients. And Were the tech in there? Just yeah. out of interest? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So we we placed a um, a candidate, um, a tech, I guess it's a tech, you yeah. could call it a tech okay. project that's manager awesome. From, awesome. From, that, uh, from that networking Fantastic. session. So Okay, that's really good. Yeah, so there's generally a lot of interest from from the clients. So, mm. so that I think those kind of initiatives are are really common. But it always um, seems to be it always seems to be financial services that tend to be more popular yeah. on doing that. Well, why is that? Yeah, good question. 
Um, Is they better at PR than the other ones? <laughs> prob- probably. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like it could be. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I remember years and years and years ago, showing my age now, I remember in financial service, I won't name the, I won't name the organization just because I'm not allowed to, but they, they actually offered a higher percentage on recruitment fee if we, if we put forward more women, you know, if we placed a, a female oh, okay. into a role. That's great. Um, I know. <laughs> I bet that, is it happening? It, I haven't seen do. that. That's a shame. I, I Do you think really that would incentivize that. recruitment firms to put more women forward on a shortlist? Maybe, yeah. If you that, get an extra one or two percent, yeah. yeah, I think that's right. A you good heard idea. it here first. You heard yeah. it here first. Talent Talk Asia, <laughs> yeah. please raise your fees, uh, organizations, then you can get more women yeah. into the tech industry. <laughs> but I mean, definitely, some clients will tell us to be very like they'll be very um, directive about saying, right. "Listen, we we would prefer to have a female in this yeah. in this role." Yeah. So it would be better if you identify a female candidate for us. So they'll generally be pretty open about that. I'm interested to know whether that mirrored how you've built the tech team here. Are they mainly guys or is there a... Um, I think the tech team's pretty well balanced. I think yeah. they're, they're about 50-50. Our okay. office, though, is primarily women. So <laughs> You I have a bit of a hard think, time then, don't you? <laughs> yes. So I think our office is about 85%, right. I think. It's quite common, isn't it, actually? With is the it? Recruit. Yeah, I think okay. so. But I think... I feel like generally we're not looking at gender. We're not looking at mm. we're not looking at gender when we're hiring. It's really about finding the best person yeah. and finding finding the person that's the best best fit for the role. I'm keen to know what does a tech recruiter have to do to really stand out from the crowd, like really be exceptional. That mm. clients call back, that you get exclusivity on roles, mm. that they're happy to give you retainers. What is it that you think um, they need to be doing, you know, particularly mm. within Asia, <laughs> to really stand out from the crowd? Yeah, I think uh, I think from a client perspective, what will get a client to come back to you? I mean, it's really, mm. I mean, it's the delivery part, right? It's ensuring yeah, that they're that that um, the consultant's able to come back quickly with the correct resumes yeah. with the candidates prepared for the interview yeah. the, it's a good process yeah. candidate accepts the offer in the end because they blame you if the candidate doesn't accept <laughs> sometimes um really? and, the, and no. even if the candidate doesn't stay <laughs> so they blame you surprisingly <laughs> i always find that hilarious and you know yeah. they've been there for six months though yeah. they haven't been coming and knocking on my door every day they're sitting right. in your office yeah yeah brilliant yeah. brilliant so that happens but um but i think what that looks like on our side is that it's just a lot of work. It's long hours. It's commitment to mm. go meet a candidate at eight o'clock at night because that's when they get off work. Yeah. Because you need to manage their expectations on mm-hmm. an offer that's come out. So it's really the commitment to your role as a recruitment mm. consultant, mm. which effectively means sacrificing your own personal time uh, from your personal life sometimes. Do you think that, you're going to gonna say, do you think that's an ongoing thing? Or is that when you uh, first started I think getting if, your career? I think if you're a billing, if you want to be a very high performance, mm. re- and I don't know if it, it could be for other, it could be for other disciplines as well. But I know in tech, I mean, it's the roles are there. The it's a good market. Mm. There are candidates in Singapore, so there's a market there. Mm. I mean, that's so it's it's a, it's goes back to the driving. But of course, you yeah. need to have the fundamentals in place. You need to be able to effectively sell an opportunity. You need to be able to manage expectations mm. um you need to you need to be credible mm. and um and talk talk me through then that whole credible piece what what does a credible recruiter in tech look like 
I think when uh, I think when you're meeting, I mean, some advice probably could be that you know when you're meeting with clients, you need to have a pretty good understanding of what their business is mm. and knowing what they do. Mm. If you're meeting somebody from, if you're meeting somebody from, let's say, an investment bank, yeah. a middle office IT team, yeah. you kind of have to understand what's the mm. what treasury. What treasury mm-hmm. platform are they using? Is it Murex? Mm-hmm. Is it Calypso? Mm-hmm. Is it something else? So I think, and then asking those kind of questions where it definitely signifies that you know what, you have some yeah. f- fundamental understanding yeah. what they're doing. Yeah. I think that will give you a lot of credibility. Yeah. Or if you have a candidate that you're working with and you know, you're you know, presenting a, a candidate profile that it's a, that's very relevant mm-hmm. to the client, then I mm-hmm. think that can immediately gain Mm. credibility so i think those are a lot more mean those things are a lot more meaningful than what's your best sales pitch when you when you speak to this random person on the phone and how do you get the meaning so i think that it's more about the preparation and Mm. and having like something meaningful meaningful that you can Mm. present to a client or Mm. or or, or meaningful question that you can ask a client that you can develop that credibility what do you think what do you think um clients are looking for from a tech recruiter because they must get they're getting calls all the time. I mean, especially within within Singapore and Hong Kong and KL. I mean, it's just yeah. It's they just want so they just want delivery. They just want they just want it. Uh, but they want a relationship. They want it fast. No. Do I, they want marketing um, sites? Do they want salary surveys? Do they want all? Yeah, this? they don't mind it. Yeah, I mean, I think they don't mind it. Some some of them like it. Some of them like the market information. And I think for a lot of for a lot of organizations, it's good that they can collect this information and take it back yeah. internally and present it internally. So yeah. I think they find it useful. Um, but you, I think at the end of the day, they just want, they need their, if it, if you're talking about an HR person, they just want their stakeholders to be happy. So it's really yeah. about fast delivery, mm. quality candidates, uh, smooth process, everyone's happy, candidates managed, mm. and then they come back to you. So it tends, it's probably a little bit more on the transactional side because mm, mm. I have my, my best client that I've been working with for eight years in Singapore yeah. and I've placed countless people in this person's area. Yeah. Um, I would have met the guy three times in eight are years. You, are you serious? He doesn't want to talk to me. Are you serious? He doesn't want to talk to me. He doesn't want to be my friend. He doesn't, that, that's fine. They, I mean, I would say a, wow. big, a big proportion of people, they don't necessarily want to talk to you until they've got some like uh, and it, and I. Wow. To be honest, I can kind of understand where they're coming from because yeah. I don't necessarily need to talk to my insurance agent until I have a question about insurance. Yeah. And then, I'll, then I'm then I'm happy to yeah. talk to him, yeah. but I don't need him popping by or calling me every week. <laughs> or do you know what I mean? So it's kind. So I get like I f- totally get it. I mean, if they have a need, then then maybe they'll they'll talk to me about it. But yeah. yeah, I think I think it tends, I business. think there tends to be a little bit more of a transactional. Mm nature to it mm. um people well, don't come back to me because they like me they come back to me because <laughs> they know that my team can give them good service and give them high quality oh, you candidates <laughs> you absolutely crack me up what what roles are in demand at the moment within the tech space um right now we can see that there's a big demand for software engineers there's a big demand um so generally just software engineering Why is that? because there's a transformations going on right globally with tons of organizations okay. to um you know i'm glad you now, put that into really simple terms for me though. yeah because there's so many you and if you just look at insurance companies because now you can just buy insurance on your on on the app or you can do all your banking from your phone yeah. and so 
there's all these transformations going on within all industries okay. to make things, um, you know, more like user friendly and and um, and everything just getting everything a lot more efficient. Is that going to be the case? Do you think in the future, or do you think that's going to yeah. change the types of roles that are going to be in demand in the future within the tech space? Yeah, how will that shift? I think, think the more, I think the other part that's probably going to change as well. I mean, there's a big demand for um, machine learning and AI, and mm-hmm. um, and data data scientists. Oh so yeah, there's, I've seen there's so a lot of so, so it's that, more about it? looking at looking at data, looking at um, you know, looking at um. Uh, those sort of profiles. I mean, that, that's those those are quite in demand. So, software engineering, data science, right? Um, anything related to um, automation or uh, DevOps or cloud. Um, so, a lot of organizations are moving from an on-premises IT infrastructure mm-hmm. to a cloud-based infrastructure. Okay. So, candidates okay. that have knowledge on cloud platforms yeah. are a lot more in demand than your on more traditional on-premises type infrastructure people. Are those people, are you able to find people within the region or do you have to look overseas to find those yeah, people? Yeah, there's people, there's some people yeah. here. Singapore has a has like a, a reasonable pool of, of talent. Okay. Um, because a lot of organizations have been going through these transformations mm. over the last, it's not a very, it's, a, it's something that's been going on for the last five years. So it's, there's, there's like a good pool of, okay. of candidates here. You don't necessarily need, I, I would say. A few years ago, they would have been more dependent on on overseas based candidates, but right. I think now the the talent is here. Okay, but um, it's just about you know getting them to come over. Well, it's a lot harder yeah. to get the employment passes now within Singapore, especially. So yeah. it's a good thing that there is at least a, a pool of people here. So yeah. talking about the artificial intelligence side, mm-hmm. I'm keen to sort of, I mean. It's always one of those kind of topics that come up within the recruitment side. Do you see, how do you see artificial intelligence or advanced data analytics affecting what recruiters mm. do? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think it'll, it'll change what we're doing. That's, that's for sure. Because I think we'll mm. be spending, because there's a number of solutions out there now that are in their infancy where mm. they're, you know, they're screening the resumes. So you put in a job description, it'll yeah. go through LinkedIn profiles, it'll go through your database and yeah. identify the best 20 candidates for the role. Yeah. So you won't, I think in the future, it will eliminate the need for really like people that are just digging through a database and searching for, for profiles. Um, but I still think you'll need people to, to kind of fine tune the search. But that, I mean, that's something that will you know, that will continue to, to change. But for I tech, think. do you think for the tech side where, I mean, it's going to sound awful how I say this, but mm. that, that you're not going to necessarily need all the soft skills when it comes to, you know, it might just be t- pure technicalities that you're looking at on a resume. Will, will artificial intelligence work more within that tech space than any other area, do you think? Oh, do you mean, uh, you mean the candidates that we're yeah, dealing with? Yeah. Like, where the, will there be less need for yeah. IT candidates? You mean, no, or... no, no. What I mean is um, for artificial intelligence, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd appreciate that it can't replace everything, right. but when, but it could replace a recruiter mm-hmm. having to screen through lots yes. of technical CVs. You're not, you yes. know, they don't necessarily, yeah, yeah that, that, as opposed right. to more the soft skill competencies. Yeah. Um, do you think artificial intelligence will then um, have a space or, or replace more tech recruiters? Um. Is there a is there a future for tech recruiters? Yeah, I think with, so. With... Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there is because I think uh, like I don't think 
we're not at a point where an AI can, um, and I don't think we will be for a long time, to, to actually manage the expectations of a candidate or to build a relationship with a candidate or to understand really what a candidate's looking for and identifying the right opportunities. I don't think, mm. I think we're so far away from that. But I think the basic tasks where mm. it's about coming up with a long list of candidates, I think, yeah, definitely an AI can do that. Mm. And even in terms of having something reach out to a client or a candidate to get them interested in our opportunities or, mm. or interested in our services, mm. yes, that will be out. That, okay. that, I mean, we're already doing that. So that's something that will um, help us do our job better. Yeah. But I don't think it's replacing okay. any. I don't think it's okay. replacing any any recruiters. Because it's actually, I know it's we're sort of, sort of jokes aside and everything. I do have a, I do have some recruiters that approach me after training and just say that talk to me about artificial intelligence. Do you think we're going to have a job in the next 10, 50 years? And obviously, I don't know. Oh, really? <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I really honestly don't know. I don't think anyone knows what the future. Obviously, no one knows what the future looks like. But yeah. um, there's you know, a lot of people trying to replace the, replace what we're doing. But I think. I think they would have said the same thing when when LinkedIn came out. Yeah. Oh, you probably don't need recruiters anymore. Yeah, right? true. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Well, they, why do they need us now? Yeah, yeah. Because okay. they have a LinkedIn license, like a LinkedIn recruiter license, and yeah. we also have one as well. So w yeah. why can't every? But every organization that has a LinkedIn license still needs, um, still needs yeah, firms like tool. ours. Yeah. yeah. And we've had a we've we're having our best quarter ever in Singapore, and I'm sure a lot of other firms are as well, having a very good year. So I, that tells me that. A lot of organizations are still very reliant on yeah. on external recruitment firms. What does Ambition do to keep ahead of the curves on things like new technologies to make their job as recruiters and to stand yeah. out? And you know, organizations are constantly trying to find ways of better processes. What, mm. what what do you guys do to to make sure that you're always ahead of the curve on things? Yeah, well, we're we're doing lots of stuff. We're um, we're trialing a marketplace right now. An I, an I, uh, it's we're trialing it, to. piling <laughs> it as a yeah, definitely. This okay. one I want to talk about. So okay, this cool. One where, <laughs> you look, you're excited you about our, telling me about that one. Aren't if you? you go to our website, you can see that we're trialing a so ambition.com.sg. Mm -hmm. um, there's a bar where you can search for candidates. So it's not about searching okay. for jobs, but it's about employers looking at um, looking for candidates. Okay. So we've we've um, Put in an anonymous uh, database of candidate profiles. So okay. There's no, there's no personal information in right. there. But okay. it's, it's about the skill set of the person. Okay. And so, if a client is looking for a Java developer or or something, they can they can type in certain keywords, and then they can go through all of our candidates that have those particular skill sets and select a few candidates that they that they're interested to to meet with, and we'll arrange okay. at the back end. We will arrange those meetings. But it's just so they can they can do a search of our candidates. So it's a, it's kind of like instead of just having our jobs that candidates can yeah. apply for them, it's about clients going in and looking at our talent and selecting a few people that they want to interview. Is so that live now? Live now, yeah. What was the reasons for putting that together? What was what prompted that? Um, I think it's again like you mentioned. What are we doing? That's mm. uh, that's innovative to try to yeah. stay ahead of the curve. We we have to be different. We have to be uh, innovative. We've got to come up with new things. We know. We know that this industry is changing a little bit yeah. and we want to stay ahead of the curve. So yeah. it's important that we're, we're always innovating and, and things like that. So that was, um, so that's a, that's a solution that we have right now. So it's still, I mean, we're, it's in its infancy. A lot of, a, a few other firms are doing something similar and there's also, there's other, there's other that's companies that have, that are doing a similar marketplace model okay. as well. That's really so, interesting. Yeah. So really that's, interesting. that's one thing that we're doing. We're doing, 
with AI, where we have something which is helping us to, um, like to um, you know, work with new clients and something. So that's, the lead generation. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, like lead generation yeah. tools. Uh, something that's helping us with with candidates and and reconnecting with our candidates again. But we'll we're we're continuously investing in mm. this in this kind of kind of technology really to to make sure that we can stay relevant and mm. we have all the tools that yeah we have all the tools that that we need right now on a on a personal level um as now the md of ambition what are you reading or listening to at the moment uh i think right now i'm i brought my list of are books. you doing podcasts yeah. or are you doing uh books or what are you what's, um, what's your thing what's your upskilling and you know things that you find of interest i think i'm just trying to be the best um i'm looking at a few books right now sorry i'm just I brought a list of them. It's all right. So it's all good. I think I'm I'm working on like I think a lot of this, a lot of it is like working on myself, yeah, right? Yeah. So I think looking, I think looking at books or or um or podcasts or things mm, like that for mm. self improvement, yeah, is pretty important. So I read a good book called um, Trillion Dollar Coach. Okay. I don't know. Did you read? No, that I one? haven't. What was it? What was it like? So that's a book about um one of the famous Silicon Valley business coaches. So he was, wow. uh, Interesting. he's called uh, Bill Campbell. So okay. he was, he was, well, he was one of the leadership coaches for, um, you know, for the, like Google and, and, and wow. the other kind of top uh, Silicon Valley coaches. Yeah. So that's a very good book. Okay. Good. Just in terms Thanks. of learning about um, some of the, uh, he, he passed away, but it's, it's learning about his style and mm -hmm. about his values and, and what he did. Mm. So that's I think that's a that's an interesting book to read mm. if you're a manager or if mm. you're you're a coach. I think that book is really mm. good. Great. Um Good to Great. I don't know. Did you oh, read I that love, one? Yeah. yeah that's an that. that's an interesting the book. Jill Collins, yeah. Love yeah. that. Um, I've got post-it notes all throughout it actually. <laughs> Not my because there's, there's always just interesting things in there. I I I love that book. It's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And there's one before that. The one before Good to Great. I, f I forget. I've read that one too. Um uh there's a book called Drive. Did you read that one? No. It's no. by Daniel Pink. Okay. And I think that's a really good book because it talks about what motivates us as people. Okay. And it talks about motivation 1.0 and yeah. it talks about motivation 2.0. So I think okay. mo motivate and I'm I'm paraphrasing and probably not doing a very good job of it, but <laughs> okay. um motivation 1.0 is like your kind of carrot stick. Here's your reward. Here's yeah. your stick, and yep. this is what's going to motivate mm -hmm. people. Short term, yeah. Um, but he talks about motivation 2.0, which is about um, what motivates people. It's autonomy, mastery of a particular skill, and having a sense of purpose in what you're doing. So, so, purpose. Yep. so yep. this, th that kind of stuff. So that's a very good book. I think I'd recommend that to people. Um, Great, fantastic. And I'm just, I'm just a third episode in on Netflix with. Um, Bill Gates, is that the right one? Is that what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, about? is that yeah, good? Yeah, I just think I've I, I the right that. name. I haven't, I haven't looked really at it yet. It's really good, yeah. actually. And I'm just, the, reason I, the reason I brought that up is when you mentioned about books, he doesn't use a Kindle or anything like that. He literally carts about 10 books in a bag and will have a, yeah. have a one week a year where he will just yeah. sit in his little house, well, it's not a little house somewhere, yeah. and just consume all this information, yeah. which I thought was quite interesting that, you know, still the hard copy books, just, you know, yeah. I, thought it was, I thought it was great. So. I think the Daniel Pink. I got a feeling that might have been the one in in his uh, in his pile. It sounds familiar. 
Well, and listening to books is good too. To be honest, for a lot of people, they don't have time to like uh, yeah. carry a book. So li- like downloading them and listening to them yeah. on the on the way into work or something, yeah. or at the gym or something is yeah. pretty, pretty I, helpful. I think so. I think when you're a recruiter, whether you're tech-based or whatever you're doing, I think it is important to constantly be learning new things because when you are meeting clients or candidates, it's extra, mm-hmm. you know, it is, it's a conversational piece, isn't it? And it just mm-hmm. helps you grow as a, as an organize, as a, as an, as a, as a person. Mm. Michael, it has been an absolute delight to have you Thanks on the show today. Me. I Thank really, you. really appreciate it. Um, and for all those people that are out there that are either tech recruiters or thinking about getting into tech, um, I think there were some really good takeaways for them there and it's been an absolute pleasure. So thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. And if if those people want to talk to me, I'm, I'm happy to I'm happy to speak to them if they want to be a, a if they want to be a recruitment consultant or uh, we're uh, you're yeah, hiring. You're hiring. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for having me. You're thanks. welcome. Bye. Bye. You have been listening to Talent Talk Asia podcast by the Career Establishment. To learn more about the Career Establishment, our people, and our latest thinking visit us at www.thecareerestablishment.com or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Facebook.